just two minutes to make sure to grab your seat, turn off your airdrop, and if you're watching online with us this evening, comment something so that we know you're watching. Tonight will be awesome. We're so stoked that you're here. Everybody, how y'all doing tonight? Yeah! How y'all doing tonight? Let's go! Yeah! I'm Isaiah. I'm Quincy. And we got your service host for today. Yeah. We're going to start y'all off with the family time question. Quincy, you want to head into that? Yeah. Everybody stand up, meet somebody new, and ask them this question. Would you rather have free food or free clothes for the rest of your life? Woo! Free food or free clothes? You a foodie or a fashionista? Sushi's expensive, y'all. Sushi's a good choice to get for free. If we have chosen you for shoot your shots, please make your way to the front. everybody on the count of three I want you guys to shout out your answers free food or free clothes one two three clothes how much is close to you I just like clothes but I mean free sushi would be so nice though someone no someone told me free clothes because then you can sell the clothes and then you can get more food so business mind over here. Answer, <laughs> there you go, Chess. All right, y'all. We're about to get to our next game called Shoot Your Shot. You know it. You love it. All the people that we chose, please come up to the stage right now. We're about to get started. Yeah. Quincy, right. do you want to explain how we play? Yeah, okay. So, we have three people. Each of them are going to stand right here. One person at a time. You're going to have a ball the size of that one that Isaiah is holding. You're going to shoot or throw it 
into the basket over there, and it has to bounce at least once. At least once. That at means it could be once. more than once, but at least once. We only got one ball right now, so... I think we'll have Grant start us off today. Yeah. <laughs> so you got three throws. This week, everybody's for $60. If anyone makes it tonight, you win $60 to anywhere. All right, you ready, Grant? All right. Woo, okay, that was, that was a little test. That was a little not off. A not gonna throw. lie. Not a bad first throw. All right, we got Levi, a ball catcher. Thank you, Levi. You only have one Still ball right now. or else you're not getting paid this week. All right, get up for Grant real quick. Make some noise. Ooh, ooh, okay, okay. Ah, looks a little right. Here you go. Last throw. Yeah, two to the right. A little more left, and you got it. Oh, watch out! Oh! <laughs> All right, thank okay. you for playing, Grant. <laughs> Next up, we have Robert. Hello, Robert. Three Not throws, Robert, for sixty dollars. Let's see it. At least once. Oh. Ooh. Okay, that was a Tesso. Was it a little less power? And I think that was good. All right, two more throws for Robert. Give it up for Robert. Oh, no way. Oh, my gosh. All right. It's straight on. A little less power, and it's going straight in, and you'll get 60 bucks. Your last throw. Let's see it. Oh, all right, Robert. Thank you for playing. Give it up for Robert. And last but not least, we have our boy Noah. It's his first week. Give it up for Noah. Yes. All right, Noah, sixty dollars. Let's see it. You see your money shot. Oh wow! Ooh, first throw. That was pretty good. All right, want to see your game plan real quick? What are you gonna do to make this in? I'm sure Vaughn make it. There you go. It's not like simple. That plan. Yeah. It's not simple. <laughs> it's not simple. Bounce it. Oh no! <laughs> Bounce on the floor, maybe though. That'll be better. <laughs> Okay, you got it right here. All right, bro. money throw. The money shot right here for sixty dollars. The two bounces. Give me two bounces. Oh! Thank you, Noah, for playing. Thank you to all our contestants. Now, sixty-five dollars for next week, y'all. Sixty-five dollars. If, if you haven't played yet, come up to us next week, and you guys might be able to play to win that money. All right, guys. We got your, your guys' announcements now. First announcement that we got is summer camp registration. Yeah. So, guys, these spots are going out. It's getting very limited. We're running out of spots. Summer camp is going to be Monday, July 25th to Thursday, July 28th. We're running out of spots. It's an awesome time. Set up right now online on the website, bridgechurch.tv. Yes, sir. Next up, we got Bridge Kids Camp. If you're in this room and you have not signed up for it, please do. We need all the help we can. It's uh, from June 27th to the 30th, so it's a Monday to Thursday. It's so much fun helping out. It's super fun being around all the kids. And uh, if you can, please help out. We need the help. Yeah, it's an awesome time, too. It's like we have, like, a whole setup outside. It's water park. It's awesome. You guys are going to love it. Also, I almost forgot to say, we have, oh, yeah. all, we have a meeting for everybody who's signed up already or who's going to sign up after church on this Sunday. This Sunday. You, my fault. I was <laughs> Next up, y'all, take out your phones if you need to. Follow us on social media. We got Instagram. We got TikTok at BridgeYTH. Follow us for all the info about BridgeYTH-related things. Uh, we got giveaways. We got uh, info about services, events, anything that's coming up. Next up, we got our summer camp, so you guys want to keep an eye out for that. So follow us for more updates about that. And what we got next, Quincy? Yes, sir. Last but not least, giving. If you'd like to give, please give online or in the back. We have a giving station right in the back of... 
We have it right next to our exit station, or exit doors, exit station. Uh, uh, don't feel pressured to give. Uh, yeah, we love you. All right, y'all, you know what time it is. Stand up for worship. Let's go. What's up, Brigitte? Happy Wednesday. Come on, let's get those hands up. Hands up. Come on. Are we sing? I'm trying to rotate. I couldn't find my way. Then I met the hero. Now I'm forever changed. Come on. As I.
went to a concert, and when I was there, there was thousands of people that were there, all of their focus and all their attention was on this band that we were watching and we were seeing perform. And there were all these people that were singing every single word. They knew, they knew them all by heart. People were just singing, people were going crazy, people, go, people were dancing. And it was fun, it was an experience, but it was so interesting to me afterwards because I thought about it. These people who we were singing all their lyrics to, they don't know who I am. They don't know who anybody in the crowd was. I mean, maybe a few people, but they don't know who I am. And yet I was so willing to shout every word, sing every word, know every single lyric. And I was so willing to, to be goofy and look dumb, quote unquote, in front of all these people. Why? Because the band that was that was in the venue, that was in the uh, uh, amphitheater, whatever you want to call it, that that's where my focus was. That's where all my attention was. And if I would have met them afterwards, guess what? They wouldn't have remembered who I was. They wouldn't have cared who I was. And that was an awesome experience, but it's so amazing that we get to be inside of God's presence and have a true encounter with Him. Because that's an experience. I have cool photos. I have cool videos. I can watch those anytime, anytime that I want. But there is something when you are in God's presence where you can have an encounter that will change your life. And so many times we're so willing to shout the lyrics of a song to a band who doesn't even know who we are. But yet when it comes to our faith in Christ, we're willing to push that down because of what everyone else is going to think about us. And it's so interesting because we're so willing to do that for people that we don't even know. And yet when there's a God present in the room who's able to take your situation and who's able to take your struggle and transform it into something good, it's almost like we're willing to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait to lift my hands. I'm going li- to wait to listen. I'm going to wait to step forward. I'm going to wait to get out of my chair and come up to the front. Can I let you know, you don't have to wait. There's no reason to wait because there is a God inside of this room who cares about you, who loves you, who knows your name, who is worthy to be praised. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is able to take whatever, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever dead thing is inside of your life, and he's able to make it new. He's able to transform your life forever. So don't be like anybody else in here where it's like, well, I'm just going to wait to lift my hands. I'm going to wait to listen to what it is that God's saying. Because God wants to do something in your life tonight. And he wants to do something new inside of your life tonight. And so I'm going to call up Emma Cole to come up and pray for us. And as she prays, as she prays, what I would like us to do, I would just like us to close our eyes. And I would just like like us to lift up our hands right now as she prays. As a sign of surrender to say, God, I give you everything right now inside of this moment. Bow your heads with me. Dear Lord God, I just thank you for bringing every single person here tonight. I pray that your presence fills this room and that you speak to every single person here tonight. Lord, I pray that you allow each person here to have a moment with you tonight. And God, I pray that you just pour your Holy Spirit over us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, you guys can go back to your seats. As you do find three people, let them know tonight is going to be awesome.
what's up, guys? How you guys feeling tonight? You good? Summer's here. Summer is here. Look at your neighbor say, summer's here. Sun's out, guns out. Am I right, boys? All right, anyways. Uh, <laughs> hey, welcome to Bridgeview. Thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us tonight. Um, if you're brand new, we want to just say an extra special welcome to you. Um, hey, in the room tonight, we got a bunch of our little brothers, little sisters coming up and bridge you for the first time. Fifth graders have now gone into sixth grade. You're grown. You're part of the family. We're so stoked that you are here. We like welcoming our guests every single week by saying we're here to build you up, not... Yeah, we love you. We back you. We're stoked that you're here. Hey, if you got a Bible, go to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, if you have a paper Bible, that is in the Old Testament. A few books in. I'll give you a hint. If you get to 2 Kings, you've gone too far. 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, hey, if you're watching online, thanks for hanging out with us. I want to give a really quick shout out. If you guys don't know, um, Amber and I, we don't only oversee... Uh, youth ministries. We also oversee kids ministries. We oversee junior high, high school, and we oversee young adults. And um, for the past few months, we've just been falling more and more and more in love with kids ministry. And at the end of this month, we have a great opportunity to serve our kids, the generation coming up behind us um, at our kids camp. It is super, super awesome. Right now, we have uh, somewhere around 400 kids signed up, um, and we are we are believing, anticipating, preparing for potentially 700-plus kids to come through our kids' camp. Um, and one of the coolest things in the world is when we get to see our teenagers go, you know what, it's not just about what God's doing in my life. It's not just about me, my generation, my friends, our ministry. It is about the generation coming up behind us. And then you guys saying, I'm going to invest in the ones younger than me. And so there's so much room for you to, um, to serve it's basically like four days of partying. You're going to have snow cones and cotton candy. There's water slides. The whole entire church will smell like sunscreen. There'll be hundreds of crazy kids running around. There's a drama that our boy Jackson and the School of Ministries, Jackson's essentially written this whole drama, and our School of Ministry students are the actors in it. There's a few extras that are in it. Our worship team's doing a bunch of kids' music. Um, our pastors will be preaching. There'll be games. I don't know what, but there's some type of carnival ride on the last day. And it's going to be super awesome. And you have the opportunity to invest in the life of a young person. And we'd love to have you on the team doing that. This Sunday is the team meeting to help train everybody. So now would be the time to sign up. Um, if you can't find the link online, you want to sign up as a team member, as a leader, and help us out. If you can't find it, come find myself, come find Amber, or come find Kenneth, and we will help you find it. It's going to be awesome. Look at your neighbor say, it's going to be awesome. I promise you, it's going to be awesome. Um, if you've been around Bridge Youth for any amount of time, you know that we do series. We're all about series. Basically, every month we're in a new series, and we'll do somewhere around 11, maybe 12 series a year. And right now, there was just a few things that was on my heart post um, my graduation, post school. 
A lot of people who at the end of this summer will be heading off to college or the military or the workforce or whatever it might be. And there's been things on my heart for young people, both seniors who have graduated and all the others alike, that, that just some things that have been on my heart as a youth pastor that I've really wanted to share. Stuff that's like, I really, really just, it's like sometimes as a preacher, you have something in you that's like, oh, like I need to get this out. And and it's basically like I thought it was one message, but it kind of divulged into two messages. And, and so for the next uh, two weeks, tonight and next week, we're going to be in like a little mini-series on the life of this guy named Elijah. And we see him in, uh, in First Kings, this crazy cool guy. Um, and we're going to learn some things about him. Here's the thing. Life comes and goes in seasons. And in life, we have to, we must learn how to... Let go and hold on and figure out when I should stay, when I should go, transitions of life, all of that. Um, who, on the count of three, not, no, not on the count of three, as soon as I start singing this, yell out what artist this is. Should I stay or should I go? Rock band. Somebody said that artist is rock band. Somebody said, Stranger Things, the little brother from Stranger Things. Um... That, like, line has been my... It's the clash, by the way. Um, that line has... I know this generation is super-duper into um, wearing band T-shirts and having no clue any of the songs from that band. When I was a kid, bro, like, your whole life would be ruined if you wore, like, an ACDC shirt and you didn't know any ACD. It was, like, not name three songs. It was, like, name three albums and every song on that album. And if you can't, you're a fake fan and you're going to be bullied for the rest of your high school years. Not that that happened to me or anything, but moving on. Um, I've been thinking about, like, people were like, should I hold on or should I let go? Should I stay or should I go? And in so many ways, I think that the life of Elijah really helps us in figuring that out. And tonight we're going to be talking around the idea of, of holding on or letting go and, and figuring that out. And so many of you are kind of figuring out some of that stuff in terms of like, okay, I just graduated and I'm moving on, or now I'm out of elementary school and moving into junior high, or now I'm out of junior high and I'm moving into high school, or I'm moving out of this friend group and you're trying to figure out what you should hold on to and what you should let go of. Oftentimes, people see going to a new school or a new space and place as their opportunity to re-identify and to be reinvent myself. And I used to be a jock, and now I'm going to be a skater. I can't skate for the life of me, but I'm going to put on baggy pants, I'm going to wear vans, and I'm going to hold a skateboard under my arms. <laughs> so, like... Eh, and it seems like so often young people, and this has been so on my heart, young people can't seem to differentiate the things that they should hold on to and the things they should let go of. Look at your neighbor. Say, let it go. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, and sing to them. Let it go. Let it go. Frozen's one of those movies that, like, when it first came out, it was like, this movie's amazing, it's so good, the soundtrack's amazing, and then, like, really quickly, it was like, this thing is so annoying, and now it's just moved over into, like, classic, it's just a classic now, it went from, like, great to annoying to we're now good with it again, um, Moana's just been phenomenal ever since it released, never, ever once did it become annoying, um, <laughs> and, and then, 
And I think that's so many young people, they get to this place where they don't know what they should hold on to, they don't know what they should let go of. And can I tell you, for you seniors who are going off to college in just a few months, there are some things that you should absolutely, positively let go of and leave in high school. There's absolutely some things that you should let go of and not take with you to the college campus that you're heading to, to the military branch that you're heading into, to the workspace and workplace and the next season of life that you're walking into. And so many young people can't seem to figure out, should I hold on? Should I let go? Should I, should I keep these friends or should I move on to a new friend group? Should I break up with him or should I not? Should I break up with her or should I not? Should I let go of that bad habit? Should I let go? of that addiction? Should I hold on to it? Should I let go of certain characteristics and traits that are, are a part of who I am, or should I hold on to those things? Should I hold on to certain values, or should I not? I've recently gotten saved, and, and I'm a Christian now, and, and I, I feel like my standards and my beliefs and what it is, how it is that I live is, is changing, and so what of my old life do I let go of? What values and what beliefs do I now say I'm going to let go of that? And then what do I hold on to? And I think that so many young people don't know how to figure some of that out. And for me, it's one of the things that's been burning in my heart to preach about. So that's what we're going to talk about. Tonight, I want to preach a message to you entitled, Holding On and Letting Go. Holding On and Letting Go. Look at your neighbor. Look at them deep in their eyes and say, I'll never let go. And if you know that movie, that's the exact moment when she lets go. And Jack Dawson, the ice cube of a man, sinks to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> it was. The door was big enough for both of them, bro. That's the worst part about that movie. Tell you. That and the, sorry, spoiler, uh, read a history book. We all know what happened, okay? Uh, uh, tonight, this will be kind of the first of two installments of this series through Elijah's life. Here's the thing. We're going to bounce back and forth through the life of Elijah and so much stuff. I might do the old Star Wars thing. Who's watched Kenobi, by the way? Three episodes in. If you haven't watched it yet, I'm sorry. You're, no spoilers here. But I'll just say this. Like, Kenobi was... Um, Kenobi was like my child, one of my childhood heroes. And to watch a series where he's down so bad is like, it, it hurts. Like after the first episode, I looked at Amber and I was like, it like hurts to see Obi-Wan like this, you know? And all the people who are not nerds are like, move on. Okay, I'll move on now. If you're taking notes, here's your sermon in a sentence. We often hold on to things we should let go of. And we let go of things we should hold on to. Somebody say amen. Come on, some, some connect group leader who has a girl who's in a relationship who should not be in that relationship, but she won't let go. Say amen. <laughs> All right, um, I, have to, I have to do this. There's no way that I can't not do this. I've got to give you a background of Elijah. I got to give you the rundown of Elijah so that tonight and next week's messages will make sense. So here's basically First Kings in a nutshell. The life of Elijah in a nutshell, the fastest that I can explain it to you. So there are these people, a nation called Israel. Israel was God's people. One king of Israel named Ahab, he married badly. How bad? About as bad as you could possibly marry. He basically married um, so that they can import and export with a foreign nation. He, he married this Phoenician princess named Jezebel. If you've been around church for any amount of time, you know there's a few names in the Bible that you would never name your kids. 
Jezebel's one of them. And I'm realizing now that I'm really hoping nobody in the room or watching online is named Jezebel. If it is, your parents might not love you as much as you thought they do. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so she was a Phoenician princess. It was a political move for Elijah to marry her. She... Uh, she was the goal of this importing-exporting deal, and yet she had an importing-exporting agenda of her own. She wanted to import the worship of a fake Phoenician god named Baal, and she wanted to export the worship of God. And so she began doing that. All the while, the people of God were kind of trying to hold on with both hands. One, to their traditional faith in God, the one true God, and then beginning to adopt some of the worship customs of this false god, Baal. And so they're kind of caught in the middle of all this. All, all the while, God then decides, I'm going to call and send out this dude, Elijah. And he's going to be the guy to call out the people of God. You done messed up, Aaron. You done messed up, Israel. You done messed up, and I'm coming and I'm showing up. So, Elisha, we have literally nothing in Scripture about Elisha. The dude basically comes out of nowhere. He bursts into the king's, like, quarters. All we know about, like, how he looked was he was hairy, and wore a leather belt, which the same could be said of Chewbacca. Um, and then he, he busts into King Ahab's uh, 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 quarters, whatever, what did that be called? Like where a king's like at and stays. Chambers? I don't know. It wasn't his bedroom. That'd be weird. Like the king's asleep and hairy dude with a leather belt's like, hey. Because what's weirder is when he goes before the king, you know what he says? He says, yo, king, it's not going to rain. Not until I say. So there's that. Um, and then it doesn't. Elisha leaves, and it doesn't rain. All of a sudden, people start freaking out, and they're like, find the hairy dude with the leather belt. And there's like wanted pictures of Chewbacca all over town, and they're looking for this prophet of God. Because he said it wouldn't rain. He says in the scripture, no rain, no dew. Not unless I said, no rain, no dew. No Mountain Dew, no Baja Blast, none of it. Remember Code, or was it? No, not Code, Code Red. Dude. Code Red was good. Mountain Dew Code Red. Everyone like hypes Baja Blast. It's sensational. But Mountain Dew Code Red was amazing. And, and Elisha says, no rain and it doesn't rain. Now they're looking all over for Elisha. But little did they know that God had sent him to this place, place called the Kareth Ravine. It was this hideout camping spot where God's like, there's this freshwater brook there that you can drink from. And hey, I designed this like prehistoric Uber Eats for you. There would be these ravens birds that are going to bring you food. And he hides there for a while. And then later, God leads him to a town called Zarephath, where this widow and her son give him some food. And then that picks up basically where we're at um, three years later. So there's been, a, there's been this, like, drought for three years. That causes a famine. That causes absolute economic downfall. Gas prices are like $7 a gallon. And, oh, God. <laughs> And, and, and basically the nation's falling apart. All the while, Jezebel, Jezebel is literally killing the prophets of God. One guy, in the, uh, one guy named Obadiah in the, in the palace actually takes a hundred of God's prophets and hides them in two different caves, 50 per cave, and she's give, he's giving them food. So this is kind of the scene that's painted for us when we're arriving at our 
spot in Scripture. And so, um, basically, like where we're landing, God's uh, uh, prophets are dying. It hasn't rained in three years. There's a manhunt for Elijah. And, and then um, Elijah then hears from God. And God says, all right, now it's going to rain. So go to the king and tell him it's going to rain. And so he does. And then he says, all right, king, here's what we're going to do. You get all the prophets of Baal. There was like close to 900 of them. I am the prophet of God. And we're going to meet on this mountain called Mount Carmel or Carmel, not Caramel or Carmel. If you say I'll have a Carmel Frappuccino, you're wrong. The word is pronounced caramel because there's a second A in the word. And that second A didn't forget about you, so don't forget about it. Um, But this is C-A-R-M-E-L. It says, let's meet on Mount Carmel, and up on Mount Carmel, we're going to have a showdown of the gods. What we're going to do is we're going to build these two altars. We're going to... Cut up a cow and make some steak, but neither of us can put fire on it. We'll pray to each of our gods and leave it up to a guy to be like, all right, we'll solve this with fire. You know, he's like, you pray to your God to send fire. I'll pray my God to send fire. And whichever God sends fire, that's whose God is the real God. And the people are like, okay, cool. (laughs) Like they're just down with it. And so that brings us to where we're at in first Kings chapter 18 and the story that we are going to focus on. So would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? First Kings chapter 18, verse number 30. We're going to go to verse number 39, and here is what it says. So what's happened, the, um, I almost like left out my favorite part in this whole story. So Mount Carmel was the, was like where it was believed that Baal, the Phoenician rain god, where he lived. So Elijah's like, hey, you get home court advantage. Also, you can have the ball first. You go first. You pray first. If your God sends fire, dope, and your God's real. So all the prophets of Baal are like praying and praying and praying and praying. And nobody's answering because, you know, he's not real. And so... Um, Elijah starts mocking them at one point. It says about noontime, Elijah's like, hey, maybe pray louder, and he'll answer. He literally says in the original language, he says, maybe your God's like on the toilet. He goes, maybe your God's taking a nap, so you should yell even louder to wake him up. And, and so then they start like freaking out, and things get weird, and there's sixth graders in the room, so we won't say some of the stuff that the Bible says, and we're going to skip past some of that, because if the Bible is a movie, it would be rated R. But... It then, it's Hollywood, and your parents will probably not let you watch that movie. And so it then gets, um, gets us to where Elisha's like, oh, would you look at that? You've been praying all day and all night, and nothing has happened. Being surprised. And then this happens, verse number 30. Elisha called to the people, come over here. And they all crowded around him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. And he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bowl into pieces. Sorry, pita and vegans. And he said, medium rare, please. (laughs) And he laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jugs with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. Remember that. That part's really important. Verse 34. 
After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. Somebody say, do it again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did it as he said. And the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Man, we could just preach that one line. Uh, Prove today that you are God and that I'm your servant. Servant, prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. And so these people will know that you are, O Lord, you are God, and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull. It's like a, it was like a heavy metal concert up in here. <laughs> if anybody. <laughs> If anybody, like, is in church for the first time, they're like, so there's a dead bull, there's fire falling from heaven, it's like a barbecue, so that sounds cool, but this poor bull, I always thought that, like, the poor bull in this story that then lost his life, but hey, they ate really good. The wood, the stones, and the dust, and even licked up all the water in the trench, verse 39, our last verse, and when all the people saw it, they fell down. Onto the ground, they fell face down on the ground, and they cried out, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord, He is God. Before you sit down, let's pray. God, you're good. Speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Got a seat. Hey, have you ever met somebody who just, uh, there's something like they just won't let go of? Like, anybody have that crazy uncle who's like Uncle Rico? It's like, I swear, back in my day, I throw this football clear over them mountains. Like, if coach would have put me in, we would have won CIF and I'd be in the NFL. Like, cut it out, man. No way. Um, have you ever met someone who just won't let something go? Uh, there's a moment, a time, it was basically a life or death situation where I held on when I should have let go. Uh, Me, Amber, my brother, his wife, a few of our friends, we went to Arizona to go to, now we just sound like people who go to concerts all the time. We were going to a concert, um, and and, uh, uh, on the way back, we decided we were going to go to this concert, we are going to watch the show, it's like, gets out at like 11 or midnight or something, and we drive back that night. We were young and dumb. And so uh, we're like, hey, let's do this. Let's drive in shifts. It's like probably four-hour drive, whatever. So my brother's kind of driving the first shift. And on the way out, I was using cruise control because cruise control rocks when you're on a long trip. And my brother's like, hey, how do you use cruise control? And I'm like, you've never used cruise control? He's like, I've never used cruise control. So when my life was in his hands, I decided... Let me teach him how to use cruise control right now. And so I'm like, here's how you use cruise control. And I show him, you press this button at whatever speed, and it's going to hold down that speed until you either tap on the brakes or you hit the little cancel button on the steering wheel. It's like, dope. He does it. He's like, dude, this is so awesome. You don't have to, like, you know, hold your foot on the gas and you can relax and all of this. My brother is also, I probably should have prefaced this whole story with this, this dude is infamous for falling asleep at the wheel. So, um... I'm like, I'm going to take a nap. Don't fall asleep. Anybody else, like, struggle with sleeping in the car when someone else is driving and you swear every two seconds? You're like, you good? (laughs) You good? (laughs) They're like, I'm fine. You're like, no, I just feel like if I go to sleep, I'm going to die, okay? And so um, I keep waking up. I keep waking up. And then I kind of wake up, and I, I see a big rig ahead of us. 
not that far ahead of us, and we're not slowing down. And I look over, and my brother looks something like this. I'm like, hey, man. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, first off, you're driving. <laughs> he's like, all right, yeah, no, no. He tried to do that thing where, like, I swear I wasn't asleep, you know? He's like, no, no, yeah, I'm good. And I'm like, well, you know, the big rig. Because there's a big rig in the right lane, and then this other big rig got in the left lane to go around him. And I'm like, so, yeah, you know, you don't want to shut off the cruise control. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, how do you do that again? I was like, Jesus, take the wheel. You know? I was like, oh, and I'm, like, not the guy who panics pretty much ever. Like, I don't know that, I don't know you've ever seen me panic legitimately, Amber. Listen, don't do that. <laughs> Look, you didn't even say panic. You said, well, if you didn't hear it, she said, well, this is what she said. Well, well, when you were going to propose, you were kind of weird. I was like, when I was going to propose, I was kind of weird? Oh, mom and dad are fighting. Yeah. Um, I was nervous when I proposed. Um, I knew she was going to say yes, but I was still nervous. Because, like, what if, you know? Or what if she hits me with, that was good, but try again. Like, you know? Uh. So I'm like not the type that panics. So I'm not panicking. But I was like, how do you turn the cruise control off? I'm like, just tap the brake. He's like, how? I was like, easy. Just tap the brake. He's like, hmm. He's like, just tap the brake. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And he's not tapping the brake. I was like, well, you can always hit the cancel button right there. He's like, where? He can't find it. And then we both kind of look up, and he goes, too late, and I look up and realize how close we are to this big rig, to which I'm over here trying to show him, like, here's my seat, here's my brother's seat, and I'm now over here trying to show him where the cancel button's at, I look up, and I see the big rig, and I'm like, <gasps> he goes, too late, and he pulls the wheel to the left, where it's like, you know, road, it's like, it's like off-road, road, off-road, you know? So he goes to this right here in my little four-door Volkswagen hatchback. And like, boom, we're not in a Subaru, like, all-wheel drive. We're in a hatchback Volkswagen Golf. And we're, and my only thinking, like, right in the moment was, oh, my gosh, I need to help him. So I grabbed the wheel with him. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, let's, uh, and then about halfway through this, I'm thinking, no, what are you doing, Corey? Don't help him. Trust him to him. He's in the driver's seat, so you need to just let go. And so then I let go, and I'm now basically laying in my brother's lap about to die. I later thought to myself, what if I did die? And I died in my brother's lap trying to shut off cruise control, and then I go to heaven, and I don't know, like St. Peter's at the gates, like... Dude, you look like an idiot. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? I should have let go earlier. I did let go. Our first point tonight, if you're taking notes, God loves you more. So do I. And your cruise control will always shut off when you need it to. Write this word down. Write down the word release. Three words I want to talk about tonight quickly. The first one is this. Release. Let go. I should have released that wheel so much earlier. I was wondering, why did, why did Elisha tell the Israelites to pour out their water onto the altar. Because you think about it, when I read a bunch of commentaries and what a bunch of people would do, and even how I have preached this in the past is, well, the last thing that you want on wood when you're trying to start a fire is water. The drier the wood, the easier it's going to catch on fire. 
So the last thing you want to do is put water on it. So a lot of times I've preached, other people's preached, and even commentaries say, see, this is God coming around and saying, I'm the God of the impossible. Let's just throw water on this and I'll still start a fire. And I'm like, yeah, but like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's the reason because I don't, I don't know that God's like, oh, you know, start a, send a fire from heaven. I'm going to start a fire. You don't even have a flame. There's no lighters in this day and age. I'm going to start the fire. I'm going to send fire from heaven. It's going to be like a, a flamethrower that's going to come from the sky. Like a meteorite from space is going to hit this thing and boom, and a fire is going to start. But wait, before we do that, but wait, there's more. Let's up the ante. Let's throw a puddle on it. You know, like, let's go from a PG-13 miracle to a rated R miracle. Like, what? No, I, I don't think that God was over here like, yeah, this was impossible, and now it's impossibler. You know, like, I think God is actually doing something a little bit different. So they were worshiping a God named Baal. And Baal was known as the Phoenician rain god. One of the reasons that they began, began to worship this God was because they were in a drought and they needed rain. And so then along comes God and says, well, you've turned to a fake rain God that I'm going to cut off the rain. And now you're continuing to worship this God. Well, now before I can pour out, I need you to pour out that which you've put your trust into and the water that you've brought with you. Because here's the thing. They're in a drought. There wasn't water all over the place. And some commentaries say that the best thing, their best guess of where this water came from, because I was thinking, where did the water come from? Like all the water they had that they poured under the altar, where did that come from? And some commentaries say that they actually hiked all the way down this mountain. They went all the way to the Mediterranean. They got this water, and then they came back. One problem with that, this isn't a day and age where they had like cars with headlights. And it says that the, the other prophets of Baal were actually praying to their God all day and all night, into the night. So now they're basically in a place and a space and a position where they cannot leave this mountain because it's nighttime now. And there's no light to get them back down the mountain. So the best that we know, the only real possibility of what this water was, it was their drinking water. And they're in a drought. And God says, before I send the rain, you need to pour your water out. Because they had put their trust, they had put their stability, they had put their faith in something that was so fake. How often do we put our trust in the hollow things that can't give us the things that only God can give us? It looks something like, like well, God, we, we need rain. And well, it's not raining, so we're just going to turn over to Baal, this God. Well, God, I need security. And, and it seems like you're not giving me the security I need, so I'm going to turn to a, 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 a boyfriend. Junior highs, please, don't, girls, for the love of God, hear me, junior high girls, hear me, for the love of God. Do not date in junior high, girls. Don't do it. Like... All the high school girls should be saying, all the high school girls who dated in junior high should be saying, amen. When I was in junior high, I dated this girl because I thought that she skated. And she didn't skate. And I learned that she couldn't skate. So I broke up with her. I saw her try to ollie up a curb. I said, this is over. <laughs> you bamboozled me. You don't skate. <laughs> 
I was this other girl. I, I dated this other girl in junior high, and um, and and she said. She said, Corey, you skateboard more than you hang out with me. That's a problem. I said, that is a problem. We're breaking up. <laughs> it's like, my first love is skateboarding, and you're not going to get in the way of that. I know what you might be thinking. Corey, you're such a jerk. Two things. Number one, that was B.C., before Christ. Number two, I was in junior high, and that's how junior high boys think. Ladies, if you date a boy in junior high and then you're like, you play Fortnite more than you hang out with me. And they're like, yeah, that's because I like Fortnite more than I like you. You play, you play, what is it called, Stumble Guys? Bro, if you don't have Stumble Guys, guess, we're literally going to play around the Stumble Guys after service up front. <laughs> that game's addicting. You play that game more than you hang out with me. That's because in junior high, boys are like, I like video games more than I like you. So, so girls, don't do it. The, the Israelites are over here, oh my gosh, like, we need rain, and God doesn't seem to be providing it, so, uh, bail? And how often do we do that same type of thing? Uh, I don't seem to know who I am. I need my identity, and God, you're, uh, I don't know, you're not showing up. And so, uh, academics? Oh, I'm going to this school. What school are you going to? Oh, that's so cute. Me, on the other hand, I went to a preparatory high school. And as for me, I'm going to blah, 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 university. <laughs> no, not blah, 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 university. Yeah. <laughs> blah, 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 university. What are you majoring in at blah, 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 university? <laughs> Linguistics. <laughs> Most of the room didn't get how good that joke was. <laughs> but it was very good, and it's not even in my notes. Um, or people are like, God, I feel this, God, I feel this emptiness on the inside of me, and I need fulfillment, and you're not coming through as quickly as I want you to. And then we begin to turn to all these other things that could never give us what only God could give us. Scripture says God's the Lord of the harvest. He's the one that could send the rain. And yet the Israelites turned to a fake God. And how often do we turn to things that are so fake and so hollow for the things that only God could give us? So what's the answer? Well, how do you then live a life where you're, you let go and you release? The best way I know to do this is, is through an illustration. I mean, can I get one of our junior high boys? One of our ju- if you don't get the heck out of here. Trip, I feel like I always use you in illustrations, though. Dude, homie, who's it? Yeah, come on up, dude. In the Dodgers hat, yeah. Either other way. Bro, those Nikes are sick. Wait, did you come from baseball practice? What's your name, dude? Noah. Noah. What's up, dude? Okay. Um, Noah, do me a favor. Would you hold on to this for me? Awesome. Would you hold on to my... I'm going to need that in a second here. Hold on to my... I need some random stuff. Can some people just come and hand Noah some random stuff? Just, yeah, you bring your phone. Bring whatever you want. Just know that it will be sold on eBay and the proceeds will go to the youth ministry afterwards. Cool. We got, yes, we got a freaking crock. Wait, let's put it in sport mode. Okay, perfect. That's good. That's good. That's good. Okay, one more. Think. Where did... Youth ministry, am I right? Okay. Now, Noah, somehow, someway, I need you to... Um... There you go, buddy. I need you to, like, best you can here. Let me do this. Hug, hug all this stuff. Get a good hug on it. Oh, wait. We don't want to... Wait, I don't want to break those pit vipers. There we go. Hug all of it. 
Now, <laughs> just kidding. Thanks for the new pit vipers, whoever those are. So, like, now Noah has all this stuff, and he can hold on as tight as he wants to it to where I can't take any of it from him. Hold on to it super tight. I'm going to take the crock for a second. Just give me this. For the sake of the illustration, I'm not supposed to be able to take anything from you, but for the sake of the illustration, I need this. Okay. Now, you have all this stuff, and you're holding on super tight to it, and I can't get any of it from you because you're obviously big, strong, you're really buff, and you work out. No, we can tell. But now if I'm like, hey, Noah, I want to give you a crock. Noah, I want to give you... The, God, our stage is so much higher than it used to be. I want to give you this. And Noah is not in a posture to receive anything. Now, if you possibly can, Noah, kind of open your arms in such a way where it's like kind of arms open and I can like grab things from it. That's perfect. Just stay like that. And now all of a sudden I can be like, oh, let me take that. Let me take the brush. God, whose brush is that? Let me take the paper airplane. This phone. And this phone. And this watch. <laughs> Let me get these glasses. Let me get that water bottle. This Bible feels anointed. I don't know what it is about that Bible. And let me get this journal. Dear diary. <laughs> Wyatt looks so cute doing transition, but I know he's married. So, Lord, please take these feelings from me. Sincerely, Chaz. Wait, what? <laughs> But now, Noah's over here. Okay, so Noah, you gotta, be, you gotta be like this, right? Noah's over here, arms open, and everything, like, he had like a Bible, right? But now, arms open, what if I'm like, well, dude, I got you an iPad. You see what just happened now? You see, you see how that worked? I wish I could really give you this iPad. Hey, Noah, dude, I got you this iPad. Oh, wait. Hey, Noah, I got you this iPad. And can I, t <laughs> you're not, this is a serious point, so I need to take the glasses off for a second. Hold those for me. <laughs> you see how he was able to just grab those? When you hold on to what you have, congratulations, it's all you're ever going to have. But if you live with your arms open, then it's dangerous because God can take anything that he wants from you. Where you say, God, all that I have, all that I am, it all belongs to you. Take any and everything that you want from me. And it can sometimes feel like God goes, swoop, all the rain is cut off, famine, economic downfall, and you can feel like Noah, so empty-handed. That was so good, dude. <laughs> but now you're in a posture to receive from God. That's how we live. That's how we're called to live, where, where God's like, hey, I want to give you this. And I'll, a lot of times what I feel like, I have no idea who that is, but there's an American flag on the background, and I love that. Respect. America, baby. Love it. And sometimes I feel like it's as if, dude, what iPhone is this? It's like the iPhone 3. <laughs> and, and you're over there holding on to, that's another, like, iPhone 3. You're, like, holding on to, like, an iPhone 3, and does anybody have, like, a, what's the newest? 13? Does anybody have a 13? Like, you can bring me your iPhone 13. Hurry. Whoever's got one. Oh, give me two iPhone 13s. Even better. 
You're over here holding so tight to your iPhone 2, and God's like, I've got two iPhone 13 sitting here waiting for you. If you'll just release what's in your hands, so now you are empty-handed and open and ready to receive what it is that I have for you. Noah, those are now yours. I'll see you later. Bye. Hey, if you, throw, if you brought something on stage, just come grab it real quick. Give it up for Noah, my guy. Noah, can you help me give all this stuff back to people? All right, there's somebody's phone right here. Is that you? Wait. That's your watch. Those are your glasses. Chaz, here's your diary. <laughs> I didn't read it, Aussie. I swear. Don't kill me. Give it up for Noah. That's the best way that we can live, arms open. But let me add something to this. You cannot, you cannot, look at your neighbor, say not. You cannot live one foot in and one foot out. This is one of the things in this message that's been like burning in my heart. Because of how many young people I see living one foot in, one foot out. Look what happened with the, with the Israelites. Right before all this happens, verse number 21 of 1 Kings 18, it says, Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. How often when there's a line in the sand and it's time to decide what side of that line you land on, what it is that you believe, how it is that you're going to live, the decisions that you're going to make, how often do we just fall silent? And we try to do this thing like what the Israelites were doing. We're like, well, do I really have to decide? Or like the Israelites, can I hold on to some of my Jewish traditions and worship the real God, but also kind of adopt some of these, like, fake God ways of worship. And, and, and this lady Jezebel, she seems nice. No, first off. Second off, and, you know, she's, yeah, like, and adopt some of the ways of worshiping her fake gods. You cannot live one foot in, one foot out. You need to release all that it is that pulls you away from God. You need to hold on to the things that he's called you to hold on to. So let me ask you this question. What is God calling you to release. If you're taking notes, write that down. What is God calling you to release? Our second point, another word that starts with the letter R because I'm a great preacher, repeat. Repeat. Um, are there any songs that like you just have on repeat right now? Like there's some songs that just deserve to be on repeat. It's like, especially when you get to summer and there's that like summer song. It's like, Roll down the windows on the way to the beach. Let your hair blow in the wind. You know, like every single Taylor Swift song that was ever written. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're crying on the way to the beach, but also like we're crying together, you know? <laughs> but like one of the things that I've noticed with God is that he often asks us to repeat certain things. Check this out. First Kings chapter 18, verse 33. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering in the wood. After they had done that, so they'd done it once, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. He said, hey, do this. All right, do it again. All right, do it again. <laughs> 
That's what Elijah says in this crazy, awesome spiritual moment where God's bringing all this breakthrough. And I think that for some people, you haven't seen God bring breakthrough because you quit too quick. Because you quit too quick. That was a hard sentence to say. And and what if the Israelites poured out the water the first time, and then Elijah said, all right, do it again. And they were like, nope. Then God wouldn't have sent the rain. What if they did it the first time? And then Elijah said, do it again. They're like, okay, we'll do it again. And then he does it again. They're like, okay, one more time. Do it again. And then they're like, no. Two times was enough. Three times you're getting out of hand, Elijah. Then God wouldn't have sent the rain. I think some of us, we don't experience the breakthrough of God because we just give up too soon. I think for some of us, there's something that God's called us and told us to do that we need to keep on doing. For some of us, the prayers that we're going to be praying, we're going to be praying them not for days or weeks or months, but maybe years. For some of us, we will not see breakthrough until we pray for decades. The question is, are you going to be willing to repeat that prayer? For that? And I'm not talking about repeating the same mindless religious prayer over and over and over again. Jesus actually says, yeah. Don't do that. The, the, the dumb religious people do that. Don't do that. Don't have some stupid, like, mindless prayer that you just repeat these same words and you draw it out over. But I'm talking about praying for our family, Amber's sister, for 13 years, believing that God would move in their life. And then guess what? It wasn't one of our church services. It wasn't my preaching. It wasn't a moment when we sat down at their house and cracked open the Bible or prayed for them where God showed up. They just happened to go to a random church at this random time, this one time, and it was initiated by this little conversation that Amber had with her sister. Now today, they're all baptized, the entire family. I got to baptize them here in our church. Dad helped me baptize the kids. It was amazing. And they're Passion and love for the Lord is phenomenal, but it was 13 years of prayer. What if? Look at your neighbor, say, what if? Look at your other neighbor and a little bit higher pitch, say, what if? I said a little more high pitch. You went like 12 octaves, yo. What if Amber and I stopped praying at 12 years? Don't give up on praying. Repeat that prayer again. Put their name in your journal again. Put their face on your phone background again so every time you open your phone, you're praying for them. Because some of us, we haven't seen breakthrough because we just give up too quickly. For you, here's something for you, uh, you Bible nerds. I'm a bit of a Bible nerd. I love the Bible. It's so cool to me. I love studying the Bible. I love looking into the Bible. Here's just a few things. If you want to write these down and go look at them later, for those of you who are like, I, I love Bible studies. Like, I go to every local coffee shop. I set up my Bible study stuff. I open my Bible. I, of course, take my picture, and then I study my Bible. Right? Uh, sometimes I take the picture and don't study my Bible, but that's between me and God. <laughs> Here's some Bible nerd stuff for you. Here's some times that God asked people to repeat, repeat themselves. Um, Pharaoh, he didn't release God's people the first time Moses went to him and told him, free my people. Moses had to go back over and over and over again. Moses, he went to the top of this mountain multiple times. God kept saying, come up to me, now go down to the people. Come up to me, now you're going to hear from me on the mountain, and you're going to go down to the people, and you're going to tell them. And that was this continuous, repeated cycle that Moses had with God. The Israelites, when they left Egypt, they had to cross a body of water called the Red Sea. That's when they then went into the wilderness. They went to their way um, to the promised land, but before they got to the promised land, they had to repeat the crossing of a body of water in a similar, but not the same, in a similar way. They not only crossed the Red Sea, they also had to cross the Jordan before they got to God's promise. 
promise. God had them repeat this. Joshua, once they get across that water, Joshua and the walls of Jericho. God says, I want you to march around the walls of Jericho. And they're like, okay. And they do it. And then God's like, all right, now do it again. Now do it again. Do it again. Do it again, do it again, do it again. Oh, and this time, the seventh day, I want you to do it seven times. God asked them to repeat themselves over and over again. Because sometimes there's power in repetition. Also, this guy named Naaman, this guy named Naaman had this skin disease. And, and the prophet of God goes to him and says, you want healing? No problem. God says, go and just dip doop, into the Jordan River, but do it seven times. So he had to go get in the Jordan River, dip, and get out. He had to go get back in the Jordan River, dip, and he had to do it seven different times. Um, the parable of the persistent widow that keeps going back. It's a story that Jesus told. That's in Luke chapter 18 if you want to study it. Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And he goes, yes. He goes, then feed my sheep. And then he goes, hey, Peter, yeah? Do you love me? He goes, yeah. Then feed my sheep. Peter's like, okay. And he just goes, hey, Peter. He's like, what? He's like, do you love me? Repetition from our Lord. Because there is power in repetition, because there's power in persistence. Even um, right after this whole thing, this, this, this debacle with the, with the prophets of Baal, um, after all of that and God calls down fire, well, the only reason Elijah showed back up on the scene was because God said, hey, I'm going to finally make it rain. And, and he's like, okay. So then now he's like, oh, man, like fire came down and, you know, this is the rated R version of the Bible. All the prophets of Baal are now dead because Elisha killed them. The job of a pastor back in the day was much different than it is now, thank God. Um, and then he's like, but now the rain, like the rain's got to come. And look at this. This is crazy. First Kings chapter 18, verse 41. And Elisha said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went and he he went and he ate and he drank. But Elisha climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Verse 43. Then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times. Somebody say seven times. Seven times Elisha told him to go and look. Finally, finally, the seventh time. His servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand raising from the sea. This is what this looked like. Um, do we have anybody who's like really fast in the room? Like you run track or something. Why not? Not why. Not why. Yeah, come here. Okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to, right here at the stage, uh, imagine like we're on Mount Carmel and I need you to run and go see if it's raining. Just between, like the, you see the windows of the youth center doors. Watch how awkward this is going to be. Not for her, but for all of us. Okay. Ready? All right. Go see if it's raining. Go. All right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's checking. All right. Come back. Come back. Hurry. And Elisha's just like. <laughs> What's that? It's not raining? You don't see anything at all coming from the sea? Okay, go again. <laughs> so, God, what's up? How you been? That whole thing with the fire, that was crazy. Man, it was going wild. No, go ahead and come back. Yeah, I know you were supposed to be coming back the whole time. <laughs> yep. 
Hey, how you doing? No rain? That's crazy. Go again. <laughs> Let's pretend this is number seven, right? And then she goes, and she, he, you know, the servant of the man of God is there. It's like, okay, come back. Uh, and, you know, Elisha's just, I don't know, sitting on Mount Carmel, doing whatever. The people at this point are probably like, what is going on? Where's the rain? And he goes, wait, what's that? There's a, huh? There's a tiny little cloud the size of a person's fist coming up from the sea. Oh, it's about to rain. Thank you so much. I give it up for our super, super quick girl. She went three times, y'all. Some of you are like, for the love of God, don't make her go seven times. But that's what Elisha was doing. He was like, nothing, go again. Nothing, go again. Still nothing, all right, go again. And I think this is the word of the Lord for somebody. Nothing, go again. Nothing, pray again. Nothing, praise again. Nothing, testify again. Nothing, trust him again. And at what point are you going to then give up? You know the difference between the people of God who see amazing breakthrough are used of God and we know their names in our scripture and the people you'll never even know about? The great men and women of God just didn't give up. And they said, I'll repeat it as many times as you need me to, God. How much are you willing to repeat the things of God that he calls you to repeat, to keep on praying, and to refuse to give up. The last thing I want to say here, back to them pouring out their water. Um, They wanted water. They wanted rain. But God said first you have to pour out your water. And maybe for some, you've been repeating the prayer over and over and over again. And maybe for you, it's time to stop praying and it's time to start pouring. Because you really shouldn't pray for what you won't pay for. God, send somebody to Mexico to do missions. And God's like, cool, you're someone. We have a group of our people who are going to Mexico tomorrow on a missions trip. Pray you guys are blessed and God God protects you and your ministry is maximized and uses you in so many ways. But how many people, God, send somebody. And God's like, you're somebody. He's like, yeah, but I'm not going. God, get that, you know, provide for that homeless person. Like, you have money in your pocket. Stop praying for what you could pay for. God, send them some friends. Like, you're a great friend. God, Take Bridge Youth to the next level in what it is you're calling them to. Cool. Go, do, go be the one who helps take them to the next level. Sometimes I feel like we need to stop praying for the things that God might be telling us to pay for. I'm not just talking about money either. The Israelites, God, we want rain. God said, cool, pour out all your water. And then God brought the rain. Man, if you guys can start heading up. Our very last word that I want to dig into here in, in the story of Elijah is the word repair. Somebody say repair. That's like, you know, most guys have something in them that thinks like when something's broken, they can, you know, they think they can fix it. Like including like your girlfriend. <laughs> like, oh, her heart's broken. I can fix her. <laughs> no. Dude, you can't. You're going to make matters worse, buddy. <laughs> she doesn't come with an instruction manual, and you've got no idea what you're doing. <laughs> move on, Corey. Okay, let's move on. Um, 
why repair? This crazy story, right? Dude, like, Elisha calls down fire from heaven. Fire comes from heaven. All this crazy stuff happens. God's, like, reestablished as, as Lord over his people. But before any of that could happen, Elisha did something very important. Verse number 1 of 1 Kings chapter 18. Then Elisha called the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar, that the, the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. It had been torn down because the altar of the Lord that was there was the place where God's people used to go to worship. And they used to do offerings to the Lord as worship. They'd been gone for so long that other people had moved in and they tore it down and they broke it apart. And there was no care in the world for it anymore. And these hearts that were once so close to the Lord that the altar of the Lord would never have been touched had now gone so distant that they didn't even notice that the altar of the Lord had been broken and torn apart. And the first thing that Elisha does is he repairs the altar of the Lord. Little Bible study, Bible nerd stuff for a second. Um, we don't really do altars anymore. Like, we don't, thank God, we don't, like, have to, like, kill our livestock. Most of us don't have livestock. So I guess I'd have to just be your cat, but um, <laughs> forget your cat first off. <laughs> but, like, we don't do that anymore. Thank God. And we don't have altars anymore, Really? And, and the sacrifice that the Israelites used to have to make, well, we now have our sacrifice. It's Jesus. And he made a sacrifice once and for all. It's a sufficient sacrifice. But we do still have altars. And we do still need to build altars. And we do still need to repair altars at times. But just now, the altar of the Lord is not built and made up of stone, but it's your heart. God says in his word, says that I'll take your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. For some of us, God's wanting to pour out, but like if God were to bring the metaphoric rain, which biblically speaking in the Old Testament, rain was a symbol of provision and blessing. And if God were to bring his provision and his blessing and meet every need that you would have, some of us in the room, our heart, the altar of our life is so broken and battered and torn apart and falling apart that if God did send that rain of provision and blessing, we would not yet be ready to receive it. We're a little bit something like... God, we need rain. And then, we're like, but I'm going to worship a Phoenician rain god. God, I need my identity. Oh, look at that boy. Oh, look at that girl. God, I need fulfillment. Well, uh, I guess I'll turn to drinking. I guess I'll turn to drugs. I guess I'll turn to partying. I guess I'll turn to popularity. God, I need, I need recognition. God's like, I see you. He's like, no, 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 but I need the whole school to see me. And God wants to send the rain, but if he sent the rain, your heart would look something like this. And for so many, we're wondering, what God, I hope there's nothing under the stage that's going to, like, electrocute me right now. I'm, Josiah is so nervous because I'm holding a mic in my hand on the other side of all this water that's coming out. But for some of you, this is, like, how you've been living, and you're turning to everything else. And it's time that, like, you say, God, would you come and heal my heart and repair the altar? Because I want your rain... 
I want your blessing. I want your provision. But the altar of your life is not yet ready to receive it. And I think that that's one of the things that God wants to do tonight, is to repair that altar through this whole water bottle. Someone come take this from me. <laughs> Don't stab yourself. That went just about exactly how I thought it would. So many are left like... God, I'm, I'm left like in the wake of so much destruction and despair because I've been living like one foot in and one foot out and turning to all these things that haven't fulfilled me, haven't given me identity, haven't, haven't given me in any way, shape, or form the emotional fulfillment that I thought it would give me. And God's like, well, I'm ready to pour out. Get ready to receive. Well, how do you repair an altar of a heart that's broken and battered? A distant heart is a broken heart. So the first thing we have to do is just, what did, what did Elijah say to the people? Come over here. He brought them over to the altar and said, Hey, remember this thing that used to be in the presence of God for you? The place where you used to worship Him? The place where He used to answer your prayers? The place, the place where you used to connect with Him? First things first, get in proximity. And that's the first way that we can repair the altar that is our heart. We often hold on to things we should let go of and we let go of the things we should hold on to. And tonight, there's some of you who like, you thought, oh, this is summer and like, I'm just going to church with my friend or I'm in sixth grade now. I'm pretty much grown and I'm so excited to be in youth. And, and now you're realizing like all of this is for a different moment that God wants to have with you. So would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? For a quick second, would you forget about who's around you and that you're in a crowded room and if you would say yeah Corey that's me like the whole time you're saying this all that you're saying about God's provision blessing I want like all of that but I know that my heart's not yet in a place where I can receive it well there's nothing you can really do to prepare your own heart other than to put it in the hands of God and say, you repair it and you heal me. You fill me. You do what only you can do. I want to give you my life. And if that's you, I want you to respond in just a moment. Heads bowed and eyes closed. When I count to three, I just want you to lift your hand and put it right back down. If that's you. You want to give God your heart. You want healing over the altar of your life that is your heart. You want God to come and to fill you, to pour his blessing and his provision into your life. That's you. When I get to three, just lift your hand and put it right back down. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here we go. One, two, three, go. All of so Just put it right back down. Amen. I'm so proud of you. Let's do this. Let's pray. We're a family here at Bridge Youth for anyone who's maybe new. And if you don't know, when we pray, we pray together. So would you all just repeat these really simple words right out loud, right after me. Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Jesus, I believe 
that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for forgiving me and thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Amen. So proud of you. That's the best decision you can make with your life. Not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. We want to walk this next few steps of this journey with you. And we do that with a free gift we want to give you called The Next Seven Days. You can get it in a simple way. Go to our Instagram and just uh, DM us the words uh, next seven at Bridge YTH. Just DM us the words next seven and we'll handle the rest. We'll get you the next seven days. We'll connect you with a leader and we'll walk these next few days of your faith journey out with you in community. One more time, can we welcome people into God's family? Best decision you can make with your life. Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet? For those of you who want to head to the front, would you head to the front? As you do, um, these last few moments of talking about letting go and holding on, I had this image in my mind. Um, is anybody, anybody's family, anybody's mom like a clean freak? Like they just, everything has to be super clean. Anybody's, anybody's family, your parents, your mom, your, your house, not clean freaks at all? But as soon as there's guests coming over, it's like red alert, clean everything. Let's get the place looking spick and span and looking all good. And what ends up happening, if your family is anything like my family, or if like your room looks anything like my room, when company is coming over, your mom's like, there's company coming over. They can't know that we live like pigs. Start cleaning. But you don't have the time to like clean for real? So what do you do? You're like, oh my gosh, dirty dishes under the sink. You're like, laundry in the bathroom. Throw it in the shower. Like, close the shower curtain. You're like, hiding things all over. There's like the one room in the house that you literally just take everything. You like, shove it in there. You can barely get the door closed. And you lock it. And you're like, don't let anybody in there. I was thinking like, there's so many of us that that is our approach to our relationship with God. It's like, all right, time to go to church. And you go to the like inner parts of your heart and you just start hiding things. There's laundry in the shower. The dishes in the dishwasher are filthy. There's that back room that nobody can have any idea what's back there. And we begin to just close off and hide things from God as if you can hide things from God. And I think one of the best ways to live this life of God, I'm going to let go of what you want me to let go of and hold on to what you want me to hold on to, is to let God into every single part of your life, into every part of your heart. Sometimes it's praying really, really genuine and tough prayers. Sometimes it's a moment in His presence and in worship where we say, God, it's not like I don't love you. It's not like I don't believe in you. I've for sure been holding some stuff back. And I'm just not going to do that anymore. Like our boy Noah. I'm just going to live like there you are. <laughs> he was over here. I'm just going to live like this, God. When I first got saved, there was this worship song called Indescribable. 
and there was this alternate version where the church I went to um, would sing this lyric over and over again that said, indescribable, uncontainable, you see the depths of my heart, you love me the same. There's not a single person on the planet that would see every depth of your heart. Not a single person in this room, if you saw every depth of my heart, would you love me the same that God does? Unlock all of those doors. Stop holding back. Release everything to Him. In this moment, surrender that altar of your heart to the Lord. Just do me a favor. Close your eyes. Hold your hands out right on the front, just like Noah showed us a few moments ago. God, all we are, it's yours. All we have, it's yours. Our lives and our hearts, they are yours. So we put them in your hands. For some of us, God, we're putting our heart in your hands because we need it to be repaired. Like the altar of the Lord that Elijah talked about, it was torn down. We need you to rebuild it. Some of us, God, we love you. We believe you. We're following you. So many ways we've been one foot in, one foot out. We just want to give you everything. Now we're done living a double life. We're done having divided loyalties. It's all yours. You can have it all. In this moment, move something in our hearts. Move something in our lives and in our minds. Reestablish our lives' priorities. Help us fall more deeply in love with you. You're indescribable. You see the depths of our heart. You love us. For that we worship. For that we worship. We praise you. We honor you. Love you. Love you.
just to release to God and to just surrender to Him and to allow Him to work in our lives. So tonight, if there's anything you take away, just release. There's something that God's asking you to release. So just do it. We don't need to complicate it. We don't need to walk things out perfectly. So let me just shatter that. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean you walk things out perfectly. You walk it out surrendered. So just choose each day to surrender and release to God and see what he does with your life. I promise you he'll show up. He'll do some pretty cool things. And he'll walk side by side with you as you walk this faith journey out. All right? Here at Bridge Youth, we don't complicate it. We just surrender to God, and we see what He does, and we walk out our faith journey. And so, if you made the decision tonight to follow Christ, that is the greatest decision you could ever make. And so, you're just starting out that faith journey. And so, we just want to support you in that the next seven days. So, DMS Next 7. We want to get you seven videos that just walk out these next seven really important days in your life. And we want to also connect with you and connect you to one of our leaders. So can we just say we are so stoked for everyone who made that decision tonight. Yes. It is the greatest decision you could ever make. It was an awesome night at Bridge Youth, (laughs) yes? Always is. And you know what? I think it's so cool at Bridge Youth. We have these high, crazy moments. We we also have these deep, super awesome, meaningful moments that we can take with us, and not just on Wednesday nights or Sundays, but we can take into our week. So I want to encourage you to do that tonight. And if you are not already signed up to serve at Kids Camp, like Corey was talking about, sign up. Let's serve our next generation. Let's not just think about us. Let's serve our next generation. And we'd love to have you on the team. Make sure to register online. And if you are already signed up to serve we do have a meeting in this room at one o'clock on sunday and uh, you guys have a great week we'll see you on sunday for connect groups bye